Welcome everyone to the Outpost Church Podcast. As a church, we've entered into a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the reason that we're doing this is to give Jesus what he deserves, our lives. All he asks is everything. In Romans 12.1 it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So that is why we're doing this season, because all he asks is everything. So through this season, as a church, we're going to be focusing both on the Psalms of Ascent, which is Psalms 120 through to 134, and the letter to the Colossians. So here's our message from this Sunday. Um, so yeah, we've just ticked over into February. I was curious, I thought it'd be a good time to check in. How's everyone going with those New Year's resolutions? Has, is there anyone here who set out to do one and is still doing it? Kez? Shane? What are you guys, what was yours? So what you're saying is you're doing better than most people. <laughs> Kez, how about yourself? That's awesome. That's so good. Um, yeah, for myself, like, I didn't set a super strict one, but I realised last year, like, I, all, I've been, pretty much my whole life that I've, like, loved Jesus, that I've been wanting to spend more time with him and just realising that it just doesn't happen if you don't do anything strategic to actually make it happen. And so for me, like, I looked at what my weekly timetable was going to be and I tried to set out, like, a block of five to ten minutes each day of where I would actually go and spend time with him. So I'm not going super strong with it, but it, like, yeah, 70 to 80% of the time I reckon I'm onto it and I'm noticing the fruit. But yeah, the point, the reason I brought that up is because I think spending time with God is the most important thing any of us can be doing. But it's also like the most attacked thing and easiest thing to neglect, especially when we're busy. So... Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 130. It's one of the songs of ascent which we've been going through as a church. So if you've got your Bibles, there's um, Bibles on the end of the row. But believe it or not, I've come prepared with a slideshow. So most verses, most verses should be up here, but not all of them. <laughs> so yeah, Psalm 130 should be roughly around the middle. So I'm going to be dividing this psalm up into four different sections, kind of like four stages, because as I was looking into it this week, I just kept seeing the gospel like all through this psalm, it just kept jumping out at me, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. So we're going to go through um, the four sections that I've broken up into and just sort of look at how, um, I guess, the different stages of a person that receives the gospel, so you know, from recognising that they need help and that they've actually fallen short of God's standards to seeing who God is and how good he is to then actually spending time in that relationship that he's now opened up for us to be in. And then the exciting part as well of getting to share how good he is with other people. So 
that's what we're going for in Psalm 130. So I'm going to pray and then we'll get stuck into it. So Father, I just thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news of Jesus that you came and helped us when we needed help. That you sent your son so that we could be forgiven, that we could know you. And we could actually be empowered to be able to represent you well to other people and that they could come to know you. So, Lord, I just pray that that would be what we leave with today, an encouragement of how good you are and, yeah, excitement to share you with others. In Jesus' name. Awesome. So Psalm 130. Hopefully we'll see how we go. should be up on the screen. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So there it is, the gospel. So point number one, recognising our desperate needs. So the first section, those first three verses, what we'll be looking at. Firstly, I just wanted to like, just acknowledge how thankful I am that Jesus, and it's the same for you, that he actually helped us and saw our need for help before we even asked for it, that he took the initiative in that relationship. And I'm sure like for so many of us and for the people that we um, rub shoulders with during the week, there's times where you don't think you actually need help and you don't even recognise it. Maybe your life's just ticking along fine, like you've got a reasonable job, tragedy hasn't struck you. You don't, yeah, you feel like you're actually a good person. But I wanted to take a look at the, some of what the scriptures say about our state without God, like what he says about us, because how we feel isn't true necessarily. It's what he says that's true. So unless it lines up with that, like, it's not true. So on to the next one. So these are some of the things that the Bible actually says about God says about our state, humanity's state, without him. So Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. So like, who's heard, I don't know, maybe someone's going through a rough patch and they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing, but then deep down they're actually a good person. Like that's like such a common thing that we can think about people and it's, and it's, it's good to have hope for people, but like the scriptures say that the heart is more deceitful than anything else. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says that we were darkness. So we weren't just in darkness, we ourselves were darkness. That we were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses and sins. If you're injured, you can attempt to help yourself, but if you're dead, you you cannot help yourself. (laughs) It's as clear as that. A dead person can't do anything. We were dead in our sins and we needed help. And then just to encapsulate everyone in that, for all have sinned 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So no one escapes that sort of statement on humanity's state without God. All have sinned and fallen short. So we desperately need him. And it's not just us, but it's our community as well. We all desperately need him. So point number one is recognising our desperate need for him. On to point number two. But with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I sometimes ask people, what's your favourite thing about Jesus? And I think for me, this point that I'm about to share about is my favourite thing about Jesus. The fact that he came all the way down. When you think about how amazing, like you just, I suppose, dream and try and imagine how amazing heaven is. He left that place came down into humanity and died for us. Like I love that Bethel song. It says, love came down to rescue me. Love came down to set me free. I am yours. I'm forever yours. So I just love that about Jesus, that humility that he would, he would do that for us. He would leave the comfort of where he was and put someone else's needs above himself and die to save us. So we recognise that we have sinned and that God can't, he can't just overlook sin. He's like, oh, this person, they're actually a good bloke, we'll let him in. He can't, he can't just overlook sin. It needed to be dealt with. And God and sin are not compatible. So while we had sin in us and sin in our nature, we actually couldn't be in relationship with God. It didn't work. So in order to deal with that, this is all stuff that we've heard before. I'm just going through it again because we need, like the point of the message is remember the gospel. We need to be reminded of the gospel, not just when you first receive it, but like as often as possible, remember the gospel. So in order to deal with that, blood had to be shed because... In Hebrews it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So I wanted to read to you from 1 John. You can turn there with me if you like. The verse should be up on the screen, the reference anyway. So this passage just captures this first half of the psalm that we're talking about. So verse 5 in chapter 1 of 1 John. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. So where are you if you're a Christian? Are you in Christ or not in Christ? You're in Christ. So there's no darkness in God. So you, if you're a Christian, you can't be dark anymore. You are no longer dark. He's made you light. That's what the gift of Jesus did. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So what that's saying is, like in the psalm when it says, God, if you kept an account of iniquities, who could stand before you? This, this passage in John is saying, there's people that are saying, Lord, I can stand before you. Even if you kept account of iniquities, my righteousness, I could stand before you. And John's saying here, if that's the way you're believing, you're actually deceived and you're believing a lie. You're saying that God sent his son to die and he didn't even need to do that. So if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. I've heard that a lot, but I just want to take a moment to like try and absorb it. If anyone does sin, even as a Christian, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So he's, like Shane prayed before about Wollonga High School, he's covered our sins, but he's also paid enough to cover those people in our community that don't know him yet. So point number two, realising the great gift of Jesus. But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. So revered pretty much simply just means to deeply respect someone. So when we see what he's done for us, the response is going to be respect. And from respect, obviously, obedience. On to point number three. Remaining in his love. I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but I've been going with a the theme of ah. Uh, it's coming it's coming through strong, I'm sure. <laughs> Got that Pentecostal preaching down back. Remaining in his love. So verse five and six. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen in the morning more than watchmen in the morning. So this part is talking about the intimacy part of the gospel, the waiting on God, being in his presence, being desperate to be with him. If you've read Song of Songs, like you see there's this bride in there who longs to be with their bridegroom. There's a whole heap of details, but the message is that they are desperate to be with the bridegroom. And I'm not sure if when you read that, you can relate to that when you're like, oh, I just really want to be with Jesus every second. Or you read that psalm, and as a deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs for you. Like, for, so often for me, that's not relatable, but that's what I love about these seasons of prayer and fasting, is that you get to put that stuff to the side, the stuff that doesn't matter, and open yourself up to grow in hunger for God. So this intimacy stage of the gospel... This is the one that the enemy attacks the most because 
if you've gotten to this point, you're already believing in Jesus. And so if he's already lost that battle. But if, if he can't stop you from believing in Jesus, he's going to try everything he can to stop you from actually spending time with him. I don't know how often, like I've been chatting with Scotty a bit about this over the years. Of just, It's just so much easier to play the PlayStation or to watch TV than it is to just like pick up the Bible or just stop myself and spend a bit of time trying to become aware of God and pray and, and actually engage in this relationship he's opened up for us. And this intimacy stage, is, it's not just the most important, but it's also the one that God actually desires the most. Like, yes, he wants us forgiven, but it's for a purpose. It's to be with us, to have relationship with us. So it's about remaining in his love. So how do we do that? Go to the next slide. So John 15, verses 9 and 10 says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So it starts with believing the gospel, believing that Jesus dying for us out of love and obedience to his Father is enough to actually make us righteous and keep us righteous. It's enough to keep us in his love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. If you read through Romans, there's an extensive list of things that cannot separate us from the love of God. So pretty simply, to remain in his love in an experiential sense is just to be aware of it, to actually believe that we are already in his love. Because we are. And the more that we are aware of his love, the more we will experience it. So back in the psalm, the psalmist is saying that he's waiting for the Lord and he puts his hope in the word of the Lord. So for us, as we have our quiet times, we need to be putting our hope and believing in his word over anything else. I don't know how many times I've been discouraged from spending time with God because I feel like it does absolutely nothing. Like, you can sit there... You could spend a week of like consistently reading through your Bible and sometimes feel like nothing has happened. You haven't experienced God in those times you've set aside to him. You can walk away feeling like nothing has happened. But as the psalmist says, put your hope in the word of the Lord. I remember praying on the way. I was driving to work one day and I was praying and I just had to remember the truth because I could not feel God at all. Felt like he was far away from me. I hadn't done anything wrong to be like, oh yeah, it must be, must be this sin, must be that sin, that kind of stuff. It was just like, I can't feel him at all. And I just remember just being reminded to just pray the truth out over myself. And it's crazy when you start doing that, reminding yourself of the truth, remembering the gospel, the way that like experience can come after it. It's not necessarily the goal. The, the goal is the truth. But I just remember going like, thank you, Lord, that you're with me right now. Like you promised that you'd never leave me nor forsake me. You promised nothing can separate me from your love. Like, thank you that even though I can't feel you right now at all, you are with me because you promised to be with me. 
Thank you that you've removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. If you're feeling guilty, pray that one. Thank you, Lord, that you've removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. I remember another time, like just after like blatantly sinning, the Lord was like, mate, I want you to say I've washed you as white as snow. And I was like, you can't be doing that because it's like so far from what I was feeling. I was feeling guilty and ashamed. And he's like, I have washed you as white as snow. Say it to yourself because it's the truth. So point three, remain in his love. So not only does this time with God um, assure us of the truth and fill us up and fill us with encouragement for others, but it's, yeah, and it's not just for other believers too, it's actually for the unbelievers, which will then lead on to our final point. So a recap of where we're at. Sorry, back a bit. Maybe. Yep. Recap of where we're at. So we've come from recognising that we actually need help. Daily, Christians, we need help. Non-Christians, they need a saviour. Realising that God, he's actually more than willing to help. He has already done what is required to help us by sending his son. And then the next bit of spending time with God, stepping into the relationship that he's opened up for us and remaining in his love so that we can be healed ourselves. It's like that. You've heard that analogy of like, put the ox- if you're in a plane, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, then you can help other people. It's the same kind of thing with like spending time with God. It's like when you're filled up with him, you can actually give something else to someone else. But if you don't have it in you, how can you give it away? So that takes us into our last section of the psalm, verses 7 and 8. Representing him to other people. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there's faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance, and he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So you can see there the psalmist is just exhorting Israel to like hope in the Lord. Stop looking everywhere else. Hope in the Lord, because he's so good. And that's the privilege that we have as followers of Jesus, that we get to encourage one another and continuously point one another another back to Christ. So there's faithful love with him. Like Jesus is a redeemer, reminding each other he's a redeemer. Like he brought things that were dead back to life. Nothing can escape his touch of redemption. And that's for Christians and pre-Christians. And so we get to share testimonies of the things that we've seen God do in our life and the lives of others. That's why I love here at Outpost. We set time aside most weeks to share testimonies of what's God, what God is doing in our life to encourage one another, remind each other of who God is, how good he is. Like a few just from my life, I remember getting a text from my grandma just after my grandpa died, just letting me know how, like, Jesus was there as her comforter in that time. Those are the kind of things we get to share with other people. Like, when they're going through that, Jesus is your comforter. He will be with you. Or how he healed my mate, took all the pain away from his collarbone that time. Or how he just redeemed a relationship with that friend. Or, you know, like, there's so many things. We all have testimonies of how God has worked in our life. 
And those are the things that we need to be looking for opportunities to share with one another. So we'll go on to yeah recap of, of those four points. The gospel, remember the gospel. Recognising our need. As Christians, you might be going well, but Jesus was the best Christian and he said, I don't do anything except what the Father tells me. I can't do anything, he says. We need to be fully dependent on our Father. Realise... And remember the great gift of Jesus that even if you've been saved for 30 years plus, whatever it is, remember the great gift of Jesus that without him, like we'd know where we'd be ending up. Like look at what he's done in your life. Remember the great gift of Jesus. Remain in his love. Maybe you've never actually stepped into those consistent times of engaging in relationship with God like you know you have a relationship with him because like just because of your experience but you don't set those times aside to actually like engage and grow that relationship and and turn it into an intimate one for yourselves like maybe that's a challenge for you guys to just if that's yeah if it's not something you're doing just aim for five minutes every second day five minutes a week even to start with anything is worth it and then point number four, we get to re-present him to other people. We get to remind others of who God is, how good he is. It's a challenge for me of like, how good do I actually think he is? Like, is he worth sharing with others? And I can promise you, if you haven't remembered the gospel recently, like, the answer is not really, it's probably not worth it. Like, the right answer is yes, he is, but the feeling inside you is like, No, they don't want Jesus. They don't need Jesus. So remember the gospel so that we can represent him well. So I'm just going to read through this psalm again, remembering the gospel, and I'm going to invite Shane up, and we're going to head into a time of communion. So out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. Israel, Church, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. So yeah, as we head into communion now, I'm going to hand it over to Shane, but take this moment to remember the gospel, remember the good news of Jesus, that he is... We're remembering, but he's so much more than a memory. He's present. He's a being that lives inside of you, that loves you. So remember what he's done for you through this.